In this episode I go for a walk on the common at Guan Kaigoen and uh, talk a bit about some of the uh, landmarks you can see, um, the mountains um, and the way that the settlement has developed. So this is a strange experience, planning to go for a walk across the, uh, the common where I live for a few weeks now. I've been waiting for a break in the weather. Here we are, the weather has changed. It's stopped raining. We're officially in springtime, I think you'd have to say. And of course, the roads are empty. I was uh, walking around on my own uh, before it became fashionable. And uh, one of the odd things today is that we've had bright sunshine for all of, what, three days, four days now. And the, the mountain on the skyline is uh, shrouded in smoke from uh, burning off of the, the head racken, which they do uh, periodically. Um, so that's the uh, Manithdi in Welsh. The Black Mountain uh, is the translation uh, not to be confused with what everybody always confuses it with which is the black mountains the plural um, at the other end of the uh, Brecon beacons where we are at the, the very uh, western end uh, the uh, Brecon beacons are the bit by the, uh, the English border then you have the Brecon beacons themselves continuing that ridge across <coughs> running west and as I say with the, the Manitati is the very west end of that um, just t tipping into Carmarthenshire, um, hence the name of the, the other name that sometimes used, the Carmarthenshire fans, uh, referring to the summits of the uh, Manifesti. So, um, yeah, so where, where am I walking today? I'm uh, walking along what's called New Road. Um, and of course, you might say that uh, calling something New Road bit of a failure of imagination. Every road is a new road once um, and in fact we have some problems sometimes with the post because um, within about a five mile radius there are four different new roads so every now and then we get post for the wrong house for the wrong new road. Um, but it was new about 100 years ago or slightly longer uh, in the 1900s um, it was first built um, this is an area that uh, had been on the edge of the uplands, as I've said about the mountains. We're, uh, we're at about uh, 100 metres or so above, uh, above sea level. Uh, we're about 15 miles north of Swansea on the, on the coast. So we're on the, uh, say we're up, up against the, the mountains. This is an area that had been relatively sparsely settled. Um, right through the medieval and early post-medieval periods um, and it was only really um, uh, uh, became a, uh, an area of industrial activity and settlement um, in the early 1900s with the opening of uh, deep coal mines for anthracite and uh, one of the key landmarks here is uh, what used to be a conical coal waste tip, uh, where the uh, uh, the coal was sorted and the uh, the, the small bits of coal, um, too powdery to of any use to uh, to for burning, uh, was just tipped in a, into a big conical heap. Um, uh, that, that deep the deep mine producing that. Um, closed a long time ago now, 50 years, uh, and 
the mining activity now there is uh, open cast. But it's left this left this tip, um, and it was uh, used to be a bit taller than it is now. It's still quite tall, um, but it uh, it was substantially lowered after the Abervan uh, disaster in the 1960s. Uh, they looked at all the coal tips and uh, realised that they needed to be made more stable, so they were, it was lowered. And then it was left to let grass grow. So now this is a, a green mound, um, an artificial hill. Um, I don't know if, whether it used to have a, a proper name, uh, but it's now universally known within the community as Teletubby Mountain. Thanks to its uh, <laughs> its appearance of, uh, of looking like where the Teletubbies live, and it is mainly used these days. It's a recognised place for coming to sledge when uh, when it snows. Um, everybody goes over there to uh, uh, slide down, and it's also used by scramble bikes as well as a test of their. Um, their power and speed. But it's interesting, yes, that, 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 I don't think it had a name before. It's now got a name. Uh, but, say, it's uh, universally known within the community, but I don't know if, if it's ever been recorded anywhere, um, sort of in print. So I'm walking now across the common that gives the uh, settlement here its name, which now is uh, an area of uh, rough pasture and rushes um, occupying a plateau, as I say, at about 150, 115 metres above sea level. And uh, I'm walking across a footpath, a tarmac footpath, uh, that runs us across this, uh, this rough, rough pasture. Um, it is quite a strange environment here. Um, this, this, let's say, it's very poor pasture. Um, it's never been improved or anything, never been ploughed as far as anyone knows. Um, but it's here, it is, a, it is the common, the wine in, in Welsh. Gwine is uh, Welsh for common. <clears throat> of course, the thing about commons is they're not um, public. Uh, you know, it's often, often people think about commons. Oh well, they, they you know they belong to everybody. Well, they don't. They belong to the commoners. <laughs> um, so there are people who have rights to uh, uh, graze their animals here, and they periodically do. At the moment, just looking around, I can't see a single animal on here at the moment. <laughs> um, but usually, there's a mixture of uh, rough-looking sheep and rough-looking cows, and a few ponies as well. Um, <clears throat> and so, yes, the reason why I say the reason it's here is this is a piece of, of, of pasture that in the summer would be relatively, um, relatively good for the animals, say not so good for the winter pasture. And uh, we are here, you say it's Guan Kai Gowen is the name of uh, the village, it was effectively a mining village that grew up, um, say, 100 years ago. Um, but the, the, the Gwine is, is the common that was here before. And in fact, we were at the very northern end 
of a long thin manor that ran, ran down to um, the, the north of Gower. Um, and this was an area that was used for um, uh, uh, transhumans, that in the summer they would bring their, their, their animals up on, onto the common here to graze, um, and then in the winter they would take them back down to the, uh, to the lower, lower areas um, for the winter, or to put them in the, uh, or to keep them in, inside. Um, but that, so that's, so that they would be, they would come up here on the, in the summer, not live here all the time, but then, then go back. Um, and this very short-range transhumance is a recognised feature of uh, medieval Welsh culture. And the other thing about uh, this common is the, uh, it is said to be on a drover's route, because the drovers were a little bit later than uh, uh, than the transhumans I was talking about and so they were bringing herds of cattle mainly cattle I think maybe sheep as well but mostly cattle um, from uh, from deep in central Wales and west Wales um, across to the markets in Birmingham and Bristol um, and there is said to be a drover's route um, running from Monastee um, south um, across the common here, in a way, I mean, that defining what a, what a drover's route might be is a bit hard um, in terms of what what we mean by by that. They would go use all sorts of different routes. Um, there's no physical remains here apart from um, an alleged, um, uh, well, a, a bit of a place name really. Uh, Carag Filvan is uh, the name of a stone on the common here occupying a summit. It's a boulder, it's about three metres long, metre and a half high, quite substantial, probably weighs a few ton. Um, but that's uh, positioned here on, 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 the, on the summit of, of the slight rise of the common. And uh, it's what archaeologists like me would call a recumbent stone, which is like a standing stone, only it's not standing up. Um, there is some debate about whether it is simply a glacial erratic, um, but uh, given its location, it would seem very odd for it to be um, such a big stone to end up by chance on the highest spot. So I assume it has been at least moved around a bit by people, um, but that's a sort of a, a, another landmark. Um, and associated with that, there is a, um, a rectangular, um, uh, footings of a building of some sort so it's possible and one of the traditions is that the drovers would tie up their horses at this spot um, deriving the name Carrickfilfan um, from uh, horses. Um, they, they, there's no easy derivation of the Welsh name. Um, <coughs> the Carrick bit, bit means stone. Okay so <coughs> So now well, you, can, you can hear this is uh, open countryside. Um, we've got what seems to be surely they can't. No, they're not. They're not uh, swallows, but they are similarly looking birds flying around, uh, eating the flies. Um, so at the moment, this is actually a relatively uh, desolate landscape. One thing that they used to be here, although it's now gone, is uh, so there's a tarmac path and we've got uh, 
telegraph poles uh, carrying the telephone wires across the common. Um, so you couldn't fool yourself that this is a natural landscape. Um, but uh, it used to have, uh, at the junction of the paths, um, there used to be a, a lamppost. So at night you could actually walk across here um, illuminated. Um, it was a bit like the, uh, the lamppost at the end of the world in, uh, in Narnia. That feeling that uh, you know there's a, an incongruous bit of artificiality um, in the middle of what was otherwise a, a natural landscape, but those those lights have gone. And uh, when we first moved here, which is now nearly 30 years ago, um, there was a at the junction of the paths there was a um, a felled tree trunk, <coughs> a substantial one, um, that uh, over the subsequent sort of 20 years slowly rotted away now there's nothing remaining so presumably i mean on the assumption that that tree used to stand there is that there was once as to say a tree standing there as at the moment um this literally just rushes as far as you can see um there's almost no nothing more substantial than that certainly no hint of any trees yeah there is a little bit of smoke in the air there's another area of uh, of uh, and burning uh, gorse burning going on um, so we, it does look a bit like a disaster in what's otherwise a beautiful day so yes these essentially the the, the village of Guangkai going grew up um, within a matter of uh, sort of 10 years from almost nothing uh, from being a, uh, a turnpike uh, and a post office and a pub um, into a settlement with something like 3,000 inhabitants. All people moving to uh, work in the, in the mine, uh, or the mines, there are multiple mines around here. Um, the, say, deep mining stopped in the village. Uh, in, it was in the 50s. Uh, Abernant Colliery, which is a sort of uh, highly engineered scientific mining um, uh, site, uh, opened in the 60s, that now clo that closed in 1986, and since then there has been, as I say, the open cast, which is just about finishing off now, um, and uh, there are a few small private mines um, still working in the, in, in the uh, edges of the hillside, drift mines where they go in sideways, horizontally, um, much less uh, capital intensive than the deep mines. Um, so this is a, a village that was uh, started for a reason, that reason is gone and um, you can sort of sense that um, this is a place which has uh, been a bit left behind by uh, the modern economy. Certainly although there are um, sort of various micro-businesses within, within the village there's been nothing to replace the hundreds of jobs um, that the, uh, the mine used to offer. People are very ambivalent about uh, coal mining, but uh, although there is a, the pride and camaraderie of um, working in a mine, sort of risking people risking their lives together and working hard, um, the you know, the recurrent thing you hear from coal miners' families is that uh, their ambition was that their children would be sufficiently well-educated 
that they wouldn't have to go down the mine. Um, it's an interesting uh, sort of uh, thing there. And of course, one of the sort of the issues is that um, you know, these people were not monolithic, and in fact, um, during the miners' strike in the 80s, this was there was um, a lot of tension within the community between those who uh, who held out on strike and those who uh, uh, wanted to return to work. Um, and there wasn't a consensus um, and there was a lot of bitterness there about which side people were on. And it's interesting that in a way that that sort of that's a a fault line that runs uh, right back to the very early days of coal mining in the area. Um, right opposite uh, my house is the um, what uh, what what was built as a as a lodge for the South Wales Wales Miners Federation, uh, which was an early union part of what eventually became the uh, National Union of Mine Workers. Um, but uh, in the early stages, the unions were, were, were regional, regionally based. Um, and the feds, as they were called, were renowned as being very radical um, politically, essentially aligning themselves with communist communism, um, which in the early 1900s, <coughs> Was you know sort of that was quite an advanced position to be sort of be uh, communist um, and uh, and very so politically active, but also active from a uh, industrial relations point of view. Um, that the there was a major strike here in the uh, South Wales coalfield in 1910, and uh, in fact. Um, for, for a while there was a, a l large group of uh, police uh, brought in from elsewhere who were uh, um, quartered in Ammonford, so that's about five miles away, um, uh, in order to deal with the um, disruption of the 1910 strike and the uh, uh, series of uh, um, sort of violent interactions that resulted from that. And uh, for those fans of uh, Winston Churchill, um, you may or may not know that uh, in some parts of Wales, his name was uh, muddied very early on um, by uh, being involved in the um, the policing, sort of overseeing the policing of the uh, the 1910 strike. Um, there was a general feeling that it was heavy-handed um, in its response. Uh, it's very hard looking back now to see where, where right and wrong lay. Um, on the whole, one's instinct is to side with the, uh, the workers. Um, to recognise that for people to strike, it's not a giving up their 
their wages is a, an extreme reaction and there must have been a, an extreme problem um, to, uh, to trigger that. Although no doubt the, uh, the mine owners would have something to say as well. Um, that they are, well they were selling coal on the global market um, and if, if the market wasn't there they couldn't sell it and if they couldn't sell it they couldn't make any money. I mean there's no easy solution to that. Anyway, so as I say, sort of, the, the, and there are still a few people um, who are ex-miners that used to be uh, in the old days when I first moved here that uh, felt like almost every person you met was an ex-miner. Uh, there aren't so many of them left now. Um, just a handful really. And you can hear, well, you can hear, um, I'm walking along what became the uh, the Turnpike Road, the one that runs north to Manistee, uh, and even even in the middle of our uh, travel restrictions at the moment, you can hear it's 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 being fairly busy. On the skyline here, um, we've got uh, hills on all sides, effectively. Um, and most of them have got wind, wind turbines on top of them. These were heavily opposed when they were first, first built. Um, people felt it was going to spoil the landscape. And I think that comes back to what I was saying before about the way we, we filter out what we don't, filter out things we don't see. So, um, for example, so just looking across the common now, so we've got the telegraph poles, we've got a uh, mobile um, a transmitter, we've got floodlights for the rugby club, um, we've got lamp posts, we've got all sorts of stuff going on here. Um, so if you say, well, this, is not a this, this isn't a natural landscape, you say, well, yes, no, it's not. Um, but it seems as if having a turbine on top of a hill feels like that's an intrusion. I don't know whether, well, I, th I, th I think that uh, people's reaction to the turbines has uh, softened um, now that they're, they're actually up. I think part of the opposition was the idea of change and that uh, uh, the change has proved less bad than was feared, although I don't know. Um, and I contributed a poem about uh, uh, about the switch from this area from producing coal to producing wind energy <laughs> they found that frustrating we weren't good enough of course like all schools these days it's, uh, it looks a bit like a prison the amount of fencing and security um, understandable Next to the school, there's the uh, what used to be the caretaker's house. It's now a separate residence. Hasn't been a caretaker here for years. Of course, that affects how the school is used.
walk down the road now, heading south, down off this slight plateau, down into a valley. I should say that New Road is actually on the edge of the village. That's a, you get the impression as you're driving around here that these settlements are much bigger than they actually are because they, they started off very much as ribbon developments along the main road. So you feel like you're driving through continuous houses for miles. Um, but in practice, in a lot of places, those, those rows of houses are only one, one deep. Um, but here, they, they've, they, they've been blocked off. Essentially, they've expanded um, into the fields on either side, filling in the space. And this used to be a very much a, a, sort of a very mixed-use area. Um, this area is crisscrossed with um, railway lines and tram roads. Um, uh, there used to be a brickworks um, actually in the village um, and obviously the mines as well. Um, so basically the, the houses used to be built alongside um, the, uh, the places of work. <clears throat> and in many cases they were built by the, um, uh, the coal owners. Um, for their workforce and rent it out to them. <clears throat> there's a, uh, I don't know if you can hear it, there's a stream here and there's uh, an area of gorse, the uh, gorse showing yellow. Um, Dark prism, glow they call it, sheened like a beetle's back. High the price, lives lost or marred, white fingers, clotted lungs. St. Kenneth, Gressford, six bells, Abervan. Steam and smoke, fuel to power and empire, shoveled into fireboxes and hearths. The wealth it brought turned to ash. The land scarred, building silent. On the ridge, grey turbines turn. The valley sleeps, its labour's done. <laughs>